0: These five high school and college friends had always discussed different ways to impact the world in a meaningful way and how they could demonstrate to their communities that through hard work and collective responsibility, dreams are truly achievable. After a faithful trip to Motown, these friends decided to start an investment company, Backpack Investments, which would fund and grow what is now the Black Coffee Company. With core values of financial freedom, entrepreneurship, and community empowerment these men are achieving the goals that they laid out one day at a time okay well we are welcoming the gentlemen of the black coffee company um welcome and thank you for chatting with me today it's been a long time coming
1: thank you you for having us
0: um so first Everybody introduce yourself and then we'll go into the questions.
2: Good afternoon, good evening. My name is
0: Butler.
3: Hello everybody. My name is Leonard Lightfoot.
4: Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Brandon Cole. Good evening everybody. This is Christopher Bolden.
0: Okay. Welcome. Um, So one of you, I don't know who wants to start off first, but just tell us what Black Coffee Company is, uh, what products you sell, and what are your core values, for those that don't know.
2: The Black Coffee Company is a platform, a bridge connecting community members across the globe so that they can come together, share ideas, receive support and feedback, and leave with an actionable plan to create generational wealth for the community and for their family. We sell the freshest organic coffee along with black coffee branded merchandise so that we can create high impact resources for our community.
0: Okay, and how did it all start? How did this plan come together to create this uh, and these goals?
1: So the plan came together. simply because we met up one time for one of our friends' graduation, uh, Laron Lightfoot. We were all out there hanging out, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided to um, kind of look at life and think about what we were doing, like how we were living our lives. And we would notice that we were traveling, we were hanging out together, doing these things, but we really weren't as satisfied as we could be. Um, and we decided that uh, we needed to kind of do something like invest our money, put things together, put... Um, to put our money together, um, invest, and create a company. So the long story short is that we came together and decided that we would actually start a company. Um, and we didn't know what to do, though. And so Leonard came up with the idea of doing coffee. None of us knew anything about coffee. So this was just going to be something brand new, some, something for us to kind of look into, do the research and all that stuff. And then we decided, well, if we don't know how to build a business and put things together, why don't we make that um, our priority to create resources for other people who are in the same position who don't know how to put things together and, and build a business? So in a nutshell, we just came together, talked through an idea, and then just decided to implement it. We decided to pull the trigger and just go. And that's where we are today. Still pulling triggers, still just going, still kind of learning and filtering our way through. Uh
0: And so how long was it from that time when you guys were all together and thought of the idea to when you officially launched?
3: So, Laurent's graduation occurred in, was that May of 2015 um, in Detroit? And from then, we, we were inspired to start an investment club, to pull our money together. So we were an investment club for the first two years. And then from there, you know, we we, we had this, this itch and desire to, to start the second phase of our of our collective uh, unity, which was to launch a business. You know, like B. Cole mentioned, the idea, I mean, we, we tossed around a lot of different ideas, but we just kind of settled on coffee because... It was something that we was all kind of partaking in at a meeting. That was our aha moment. And from there we just kinda, you know, hit start hitting the ground running. And as we've been running this marathon, we've been documenting mm-hmm. the whole thing. And we have launched Black Coffee back in February two thousand eighteen. And, you know, we've been going nonstop since then.
0: Okay. And you said that you just decided to do coffee because i think you guys said like coffee is at every table like every business meeting is something that's implemented in everyday life business and personal um but you said you didn't know much about it so during that research what have you learned about coffee while starting black coffee
2: lena i want to um and there's a specific quote or slogan that we, we like to use
0: i'm sorry And I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay,
2: Um, we learned that uh, coffee gets a seat at every table.
0: At every table.
2: Okay. That's something that it was uh, that uh, aha moment that Leonard mentioned. We were having a meeting. We were all drinking coffee, and we just realized it was something that connected us. And that's what we were. You know, we already had a connection. We had a bond, a friendship that that's you know it's going over decades now. Um, But we needed something else that connected us to the wider world, something that we could sell or something that we could promote, something we could build. And coffee was that. It realized, you know, as we learned and we did research and as we you know, went to work, you know, uh, we never occurred to us that coffee is the number two commodity on the planet behind oil. And what that means Mm -hmm. is that the amount of coffee that's moving across through our commerce systems across the globe is so substantial, you know, it props up economies, you know, specific, you know, farms in so many rural communities in different countries depend on this crop, you know, it's, it's, it's truly such a huge enterprise and it's growing, you know, it's projected to, you know, the billion go to reach into the billions and billions as we move forward over the next five to 10 years.
0: Okay, awesome. So, like, what was the process of getting into the coffee business and like, what did you learn and just what is the whole process of getting coffee kind of from farm to table or cup?
3: So I could take that one. So for me, I don't, I, mean, I think Jamie was a, uh, he started a little earlier in terms of his uh, consumption of coffee, but I'm a relatively new coffee drinker. And as I started to explore, you know, more about the, you know, the, about learning more about coffee, I became very intrigued and fascinating, um, fascinated about the whole process of basically how it goes from the farm to the cup. And, you know, coffee originates or it's, it's, it's a three to four year long process to go from the farm to the cup, which is like crazy long time um, mm-hmm. in terms of harvest. And coffee is basically, originally, it's a fruit. It's from the cherry, the coffee cherry. And the coffee bean is actually the pit that's inside of the cherry. Um, so as I was reading more about it, I was like, this is fascinating. <laughs> and then that kind of led us to, to kind of go into the coffee industry. But back to the whole journey of the coffee. Um, so once the coffee is actually picked from the cherry, um, the cherry, the coffee cherry, um, is then, you know, you got to remove the pulp to the outside of it to get to the bean or the seed. And then from there, it is, you know, washed and dried and then exported, roasted, and then finally is brewed. Um, you can have cold brew, hot brew, and there's all sorts of different types of brewing methods. Okay.
0: And that is something that i feel like I've been getting into coffee and going to a couple cupping sessions and we don't think about it. We just like drink coffee and don't think about it. like, it's a, like you said, like a four year process. Coffee gets a seat at every table. Make sure you have the freshest organic coffee along with the dopest black coffee branded merchandise. I love my black coffee. I order regularly and I can't even pick a favorite blend because I love them all so much. So listeners of this episode can receive 15% off your next purchase with promo code PURSUIT. That's P-U-R-S-U-I-T. Please head over to theblackcoffeecompany.com and make your purchase. Okay. What are the biggest challenges and rewards thus far um, as you've started your investment company and Black Coffee Company?
1: So some of the biggest uh challenges that we faced are kind of gaining support um and this was initially like now we've we've kind of like received a lot more support in a lot of different ways but Mm -hmm. some of the challenges um like i said the support i mean people are like oh there's not a whole lot of black folk that are in coffee there's not a whole lot of do do black people even drink coffee you know you kind of hear those questions here here and there but The reality is, we drink quite a bit of coffee, you know? And so, um, once we figured that out and we were like, yo, this is an entire market, then Mm -hmm. uh, we started tailoring our products to make sure that not only are we serving coffee, that we're telling people about the benefits of it. Um, And therein lies the reward because not only is coffee beneficial, not only does it get a seat at every table and allows for people to have conversations. It allows us to learn the process of how to connect with folks, how to create network opportunities and partnerships with people. Like those are the things that are the rewarding parts of this, of this business, of this entire, um, effort that we're doing. Like connecting folks is, is where I think we'll succeed. This is what we all think. Really. This is where we'll succeed. When we connect ourselves, uh, create this buying power and understand, you know, what kind of economy that Black people actually are. Like, we are an economy ourselves, if we Mm -hmm. just realize that stuff. So it's rewarding to kind of figure these things out and kind of even stumble over some stuff until we get to that point um, to where we're, we're giving out this information to other people and helping this person succeed and not giving a handout, but giving a hand up. Like, all of that stuff is rewarding, and it far outweighs the challenges that we've seen so far.
0: Okay, cool.
2: To add, to, I want uh, to add to the challenges. I will say, you know, that connection that we miss—it's crazy. It's some of our nearest and dearest, our closest, you know, day one, you know, brothers and friends, and stuff that's for whatever reason, can't connect to this idea. But then we receive so much love, so much support, so many people offering a partner, to provide resources, to work with us. That we've never met, never come across outside of our network, within our network, at our jobs, in different associations we're a part of, people so willing and supportive of our idea. So, you know, I would say the challenge is, is that we have not, or maybe we haven't, just there, some will never get it. But I sometimes feel that we've not truly and clearly articulated our grand design, our grand vision and plan. You know, I mentioned earlier what our goal, you know, we're a platform and, you know, coffee allows us to connect to so many people, but so does this brand that we created, the Black Coffee Company. It's It allows us to reach out and connect with so many people, and that's so valuable that network is, is and to my opinion, it's more valuable than the coffee itself, and that's a, you know, right. multi dollar industry.
0: And um, you, like, mentioned earlier that Part of the business is kind of empowering other people um, to have ownership, like, to learn about business in general. And I, yeah, and I feel like just the, just like, like, just the network and you guys sharing other, you know, Black businesses that kind of, it shows that, or it's inspiring to other people to know that there are so many entrepreneurs and that it can be done and it can be obtained. So, And also, like, just doing that, was that, because I know the networking, like, Black Coffee Company is so big on networking, sharing other businesses. Was that something that you guys decided to be, like, key in kind of your model, or did that just happen organically, or how did that work? I mean, the Black Coffee
4: Company, we founded and started as an investment group. So we realized the importance of working together. Just within ourselves is just a crew or brothers. You know, we, we, we decided to be uh, very open with mm-hmm. our finances and a lot of different things that we have going on from you know, our health to mental health to a lot of other things. So we realized how much growth we needed between the, each other to be successful. And we also realized that, you know, our community is one that really hasn't been showcased. It it really, there aren't platforms that are set up specifically with us in mind. And so we felt like Black Coffee bridges the gap to be able to create an environment where other people can be open and honest with their finances, with their retirements, with their health, with, you know, counseling or, you know, child children's behavior you know that's all stuff that we discuss on the call Mm -hmm. we felt like to showcase that and and to have an open platform where people can share and you know encourage each other or you know give tips or give advice we just felt like that was the benefit to the community so while we sell the coffee the coffee is really the vehicle to community service to you know generational wealth to financial freedom like all this stuff just gets us there coffee gets us there but our platform is so much bigger than that and our audience is growing exponentially and you know we're starting to see you know that the value is not just the coffee it's really the community the pride and and just working together and partnering together with as many like-minded individuals
0: as we can and i will say i think that definitely comes across in everything you guys do so That's so go ahead. Can can I? Yeah, let me
1: add on to what what Chris was saying. Um, And that's like one of the reasons that um, that was one of the reasons that we created our Facebook group. Um, And in the Facebook group, we talk about a lot of different things. There's people who, you know, may, um, you know, may have these different health issues that they don't know about or maybe having all this debt that they need to learn how to pay off or need tips and stuff to do that. People ask real questions within our Facebook group. And, you know, hopefully it'll be broader and, you know, we get to utilize website, the website more and things like that. But there's a lot of stuff that we know how, you know, some of our black families are that we don't talk about these things. You know, we don't know that our parents were struggling or whether or not they have this type of insurance or any of that type of stuff. And all those things were never talked about. But then we started talking about them amongst ourselves, amongst us five. And then we started realizing that, man, we could, we could make this bigger and we need to start documenting this stuff. Maybe people don't want to talk about it verbally, but if we have somewhere a repository that has these documented things where they can go look this up and they can find that information and they can do it anonymously if they really want to, then, um, then we're really on to something. So that's, that's kind of where we are with helping out the community.
0: And I think that the group definitely, um, it makes you comfortable just to go in there. And when you see a person post a question about debt or health or, you know, their fear or something else, and you just go and you see there are 20 responses, you are intrigued to read what other people are saying and you feel more comfortable to give your opinion or say you're going through the same thing. So I definitely think uh, the Facebook page and community is. Is like for myself because I jump in there all the time just to read or comment and contribute. So um, yeah, if anybody is not on there, get on there. Um, what are you? What do you guys think? One of the biggest barriers to Black people attaining wealth is or are?
4: Um, I think fear. To be honest, I think that as a community, we're afraid <laughs> to to try new things. To take risks, I think we we risk on stuff that really isn't important. But when it comes down to, you know, investing, when it comes down to the stock market, I think we're very afraid because that's something that we just we don't discuss. Um, I know I wasn't taught; that was something that I had to, as a, an adult, go back and learn. And I think for mm-hmm. people, finances, especially the, in the Black community, finances we're we're more the consumer. Then, you know the business, and you know as a community, we spend more money than anybody else. Anybody, right? Year. Right. So we have the money. Everybody said they can't start a business. They can't do this. You know, I was at Kroger earlier today, and a guy who was collecting the carts outside was a younger black dude. he had on some two hundred and fifty dollars sneakers. I was just like, wow. You know, not only did you spend two hundred and fifty dollars on some tennis shoes. You out here collecting the carts outside
0: and in them, <laughs> You're right. Right. Like you,
4: you, you rolling over your feet in two hundred and fifty dollars sneakers. You, you not your money. You can't be making enough to substantiate spending that much on sneakers. But I mean, you know, that's that's well, As a community, we're comfortable doing that. But we don't think, hey, a, a t-shirt press on Amazon is three hundred. You know, you can start a business with $300 if you really wanted to. But a lot of people are afraid to do that, but we'll spend $300, $400, $500 on the Gucci belt. We don't have no problem. We're not afraid to do that. We're not afraid of the financial implications of that. But we're afraid to lose 5 or $6 in the stock market. And so that fear is just locking us out of so many different opportunities that these other people, you know, you got, you got young guys in other communities that are they got investment portfolios in college.
0: Right. You know, right, they're, right. They're, they
4: they're know the game when we just get in it. You know, they, they know not to, in, to acquire all that debt. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people from Xavier who still finance and from refund checks all the way. Back then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we don't look at it like that. But I mean, everything is an investment from right. where we spend our time, where do we spend our energy, where we focus our attention is all an investment. So we decided, you know. To, to not be on Instagram and all that stuff all day, to kind of pinpoint and fine tune the community to looking at things from a different perspective. So I think once we get out of the fear and we start taking more action and being more responsible for our finances, I think as a community, we're going to do a lot better and we're going to start making better decisions.
2: Bro, my other about that barrier to building generational wealth, like it's like you said, we got it, right? You've you iterated earlier numerous ways in that. The black community has the money and this income in order to do whatever we want with it right we can team up we could piece up we can come together and buy a bottle to buy a table at the club i've seen it happen i worked in the industry as a promoter i thrived on it right i just but it's like but we can't come together to open a coffee shop right we can't come together to start an investment club we can't come together to trust your brother's idea we can't invest in that, but we can invest in some uh, liquor that that We just gonna piss out later, right? So my issue is like we like we talked earlier about us, you know where we started and how we were there. We were at a, one of our brothers' graduations, uh, and it was really the story of Motown that got us that got us, really got everybody connected on moving. But the same brother that we were there celebrating refused to be a part of what we're doing today, you know. And I, uh, it, to me, I'm like trust, working mm-hmm. together. You know, us coming and putting aside ego, you know, to to really make a change for our community is one of the biggest barriers that we face. And and sometimes it just takes time because, you know,
1: that same same old dude is, you know, one of our biggest supporters and, and giving us ideas and stuff behind the scenes and things. But it takes time to get to that point. And a lot of times we always say, oh, we don't have time. We don't have time. That's the first thing you hear from, from black folks. They say, you know, I ain't got time for that. That's the main thing. But we need to take our time. We need to understand what people are really saying to you, what people are really trying to get you to do. It's not about, hey, man, I got this idea, man, I need $5,000. It's more so, hey, this can change somebody's life. This can change your children's or your future children's lives. You know, you can set your your grandchildren up if you do something today, if you make these changes now. It just takes time to teach that to people and, and, and we're not getting any younger. So people need to like really be serious about doing some serious reflection on what people are telling them, what the community is, is trying to help build together. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, trust is like fear is the first thing we got to overcome, but, but trust is up there.
3: And, And lastly, I would just like to add, um, it has to do with, like, time. I think time is a big factor, like Biko had mentioned. And then just, like, the mentorship. Like, we just don't have that precedence of, you know, people to kind of share that knowledge all the way down. I mean, there's isolated cases where, yeah, people argue getting ahead, head, but then for the most, our community is just left behind, and we're out to try to figure this out on our own. And that's one of the things that, you know, we – this is why we want to be so transparent – with our process with black coffees, because we realize it's just not something that's shown every day in our community and taught. So we're we're taking a step out there and trying to lead the way. And I just want to say a shout out to Math for Success. That's all. Yeah, but within like kind of just
0: grouping all of those things together, I think that we do have that fear because we don't have the knowledge. And just as a culture, we don't have that knowledge because, you know, generations ago, we weren't able to. So um, I think definitely we, we're not ready to learn and always hop into investments ourselves, like even myself included. But that's because, you know, when you say, okay, well, let's invest in something or learn about stocks. It does take that time that you feel like you don't have just because it wasn't taught to us, you know, by all of our parents at a young age. So um, just myself personally, I find that as a barrier, like I don't have all the knowledge. Like I'm I'm ready if someone, you know, like if there was a forum like you guys have that would tell me this is how you invest. This, These are things to look at. This is where you allot your time. I think you know, more of that, like you said, and then people will slowly come around and hopefully it will make a generational impact.
2: Well, I like the way you said that.
0: (laughs) I'm because I'm... This is real life. This is me right now. So um, I definitely feel it.
4: I think as a community, we learn. I just think we learn... I think finances teach us the hardest lessons and we learn it backwards. So... You know, I, I, don't, I, I can tell you how many relatives I've had that, you know, passed away, had no documentation, no representation, nothing drawn up. So it's, it's GoFundMe pages, it's fish fries, it's all this different stuff. And it's like, man, your value in life is being able to make sure that you're not a financial burden on somebody else. So your financial decisions in life are going to impact your family members and friends and your debt when you pass away. So I think rather than wait until life teaches us the lessons, we're gonna have to invest that time and that energy to learn it for ourselves so that we can make that a part of the community. That like this is com these are conversations that'll be normal within the community so that we're not waiting until our credit is ruined to start learning about credit. It's like, no, you gotta start. I mean, that's stuff you you have to learn as as a young person. I didn't find out about credit really until college. And for me, that was too late. Because the credit card statements were coming and, you know, they trying to get me to sign up for this and sign up for that. So I think we, we, we learn. it's just, we learning at a way slower rate and life is teaching us more so than the
0: financial literacy portion of it. I agree. I agree so much. And like, I'm just personally going through a situation where, um, I had a family member pass who was actually like really financially sound. It's just that she didn't take the step to you know, um, leave all of her assets to my cousin. So like now going through probate and all of those things and just like something as simple as, you know, having a will set up and now we're paying money that is ours. Like, so it's just little things like that, that now me and my cousin who are extremely younger are even like, look, we, neither one of us have kids, but we're still going to make sure somebody's name is on our thing. So that if something happens to us, so it's, Like you said, we learn at a cost, but you know, hopefully, we're taking heed and not just, you know, not paying attention to the lessons. You think that HBCUs teach enough about business and ownership?
2: I can jump on this one um, since I went to an HBCU. Shout out to the uh, mighty Xavier University. Louisiana. The illustrious. The illustrious. <laughs> uh, as we discussed earlier, prior to the uh, official part of this conference, call, right? Um, or interview, excuse me. Uh, I was uh, majored in business administration with a minor in marketing. Uh, I later went on to attend Tulane University, where I received a master's in business administration. I can tell you, so uh, going so at a HBCU then a PWI. Um, I can tell you that the way that they teach business is relatively the same. I will say at the PWIs that there are more opportunities for experiential learning programs, for actual practical uh, experiences that build up that core skill set and that network that's going to be valuable uh, later down the road. Uh, And it really is crazy. I feel like some of my and I hate to say this, but some of my Cultural programming at my HBCU a lot made me stay in a box when I was at a PWI instead of really building that network there, um, and it's not until 20 years later that we really realized that dang, we should have been leveraging our Xavier network from day one. But we mm-hmm. got there and we were taught to be divided. You know, you in California Club, I was a president. Shout out Cali Club. We are, were in the Chicago Club. You know, you be an Alpha, you be a Sigma, you be a a a Kappa. You know, you go you're a doctor, okay, you in business, or you as a result? No, we were all taught to not, you know, we, and the only time we come together is to donate money, right? So, um, I don't think we were taught to really leverage our network, our collective capacity to build and do things and be the change agents that we are. They build us to be these great professionals and individuals that go out and speak the mighty reputation of the institution that made us, but we don't, they don't really teach us the life skills that's going to need us to to really make some change for our communities at home. And, you know, that's my piece.
0: Anyone else want to add on that question?
4: I agree. You know, I felt like, you know, one of my biggest disappointments when I got to to my HBCU, which is Xavier University, was how much we divided ourselves once we got there. I was so excited as a freshman, I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna be around black people. I'm gonna be able to network and build and all this kind of stuff. And when I got to my first class, it was, folks didn't want to share their notes. And I was like, "Whoa, oh, what's what's up right with that?" And it was like I didn't realize how how taught we were to beat individuals to get, to be the smartest in the class to do to do all these achievements. But it was always singular, never plural. And I think that you know taking that experience and graduating and getting out into the real world and seeing, you know, all these young professionals, we still struggling with, with stuff, whether it's health, whether it's finances, whatever the case may be, but nobody's talking about it. You know, we still not sharing that information. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why the black coffee community and just, you know, being so out, you know, being able to map it out to where we can teach people and, you know share the game and network and partner up with other companies I think that's the biggest influence for me because I, I it's just everything everybody's successful you become a doctor you get married do what you're doing but it's not any partnership I, I felt like there should be more black owned you know doctor's offices where you got or practices with a whole bunch of people working together but you know So for me, I I think that's definitely Jamie hit it on the head when he discussed, you know, the HBCU differences from other places. They're taught to work together. You know, they have investment groups at younger ages. You know, they're taught that kind of stuff. So our biggest concern was addressing the needs of the community. And we're trying to do that.
1: So so I do have a comment about this, too. Like and, and I can't speak from experience because I wasn't a business major. Um, or any of that stuff i did get my MBA eventually but at that smaller school and it was in a professional program that like you know it was only like 15 people in the class and we were all grown-ass folks um, by then but i guess where my um, opinion comes from is the fact that now you know being a professional in the in the industry in the workforce you know i think that there are things that hbcus can do now like they can implement like if you bring a black own business on campus to operate, you know, a certain juice stand or, you know, like bubble tea or black coffee, then, you know, there can be these programs implemented where students are running these things. Students are coming up with marketing campaigns. Students are are the, you know, they're the change agents on campus and they can earn not only credits, but they can earn money. They can, you know, and then the the things that they can earn that can't be taken away are the skill sets, you know, to Mm -hmm. work together to build out and look at what's, what's going to be payroll. How are you going to do payroll? You know, when you have your own business, you're going to need to know how to do payroll, how to have people on your staff, how to hire people. You know, there's a lot of different things that, you know, us on our side, on our end, we talk about these things, you know, because the goal one day is to at least have one brick and mortar and uh, hopefully it could be in new Orleans, but um, we're going to need to go through all those things too. So while we learn them, they learn them. Like, there's, there's just things that HBCUs can do better if they're not doing them already. And from listening to what these guys just said and their experiences, um, it doesn't sound like, you know, those things were taught back then and probably not taught now.
0: And are those things that we are sharing with our institution on, like, after we leave?
1: I'm not so sure. You know, I, so I do recruiting. For uh, for Microsoft um, at these different colleges and stuff. And then some of the feedback that I get when some students aren't hired is, oh, well, you know, they lack this knowledge or they lack this or, you know, I would have loved I would have loved if they had known this or taken those classes. And I'm just like, well, how is that feedback getting getting to those to those professors and into the curriculum and all this other stuff? And everybody's, like, scratching their heads, like, I I don't know. I guess we can create an advisory board and get on the advisory board or something. But, like, what about stuff like we're talking about now? So all the things you just asked and all the things that were just brought up, how are those things getting transmitted back to those students? There's no advisory board that you can say, oh, look, let's let some entrepreneurs be a part of it. And then, like, let's trickle down all the stuff they know and that they're preparing. So, Largely, it seems like it's on us or on, like, you know, folks that are doing these things and providing the feedback to, like, people directly through social media or whatever other channels, you know, this podcast. Um, It's on us to do, I guess, because I don't really know how to bridge that gap. And maybe some listener or somebody who we run into, all these partnerships we talk about and networks we talk about has some sort of way we can kind of connect those dots, because that's what we're really looking for. That's a very, very good question.
0: Yeah, I I think it has to be a priority. Um, Because, you know, us ourselves are saying like, this is this might have made us more successful. So I, 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 you know, even myself as an individual, I'm like, how do you communicate that? Do you just write a letter? Like, how do you really get an institution that you attended to understand that and really implement it? I don't know. But I think uh, we have to make it a priority, especially with the recent things we're kind of just talking about uh, with our university and change and people um, being very concerned with being heard.
3: Yeah, I would just like to, to add to that. I, I, th- I definitely think it's a two-way street in terms of like the alumni giving like providing that information, but I think it's mostly on the university to... Allow us to bring that feedback, that feedback loop to them, because we're out in the fields, we're out in the industry, we we got real time information of what these big co- companies want, what entrepreneurship is like, and that way we could kind of feed it back to the university so that they're not, quote unquote, like always behind the the trend of what's you know what's what what we need to prepare the future students for, because um, I know when we went back to Xavier in February of this year, we had the opportunity to talk to the, you know, the business you know, the school, the division, the business school at Xavier, and they do have an entrepreneurship uh, program, um, but I think it'd be really useful if they could tap into some of the entrepreneurs that attended Xavier to kind of give them, to scope that program, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. But again, they don't, I'm not sure if they're looking for feedback, right? They're kind of just built it on their own in isolation.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I know um, in, in speaking with some of the students and just alumni in general, you know, I feel like these institutions have been around for so long that in, the, in technology and just everything's changing so fast, I don't, I don't think they understand how how big the barrier is between, you know, the students in, in the university when it comes to social networking and social media. And you got people who've been with the universities, universities for years, that they, they don't, they don't understand how fast things are changing. And, you know, the markets are changing and investing is changing. And, you know, you can get an app on your phone where you can invest the change left over from a transaction into something. And I think, as a university, especially one that's number one for putting blacks in, in medical school, you know, that's a lot of money that you you're allowing these young people to acquire wealth and all that kind of stuff. I think it's it's just as important to be able to be responsible with managing that stuff. And I think maybe there should be some type of core curriculum that just teaches, you know, these future doctors and professionals how to do basic financial, you know, literacy things. And so I think it is, you know, it's a two way street. I think as an adult, it's up to you to gain a lot, the knowledge. However, I think, you know, these, these institutions have to be responsible as well. I mean, you're putting, put, putting people in a lot of positions to make a whole lot of money, but if they can't manage that, that, that wealth, it's just as bad as them not really getting a, a degree. You know, if they can't manage their wealth and their finances and just increase that wealth and pass it down, you know. So I think when you're looking at it from a long-term perspective, I think these institutions understand how important money are. And it is because, you know, so much of it is donation-based. But I think if you make your, you know, your graduates a little bit more savvy financially, um, it's beneficial to the university as well as the students
0: and alumni. I agree. And you talked about kind of us coming together when, when, you know, and sharing ideas and thoughts, uh, specifically like in the classroom and when we're kind of becoming adults and professionals. So in black coffee, how do you guys, you know, share roles? Is it that everyone is assigned a specific role? Do you share roles? Like what works for you or, or what did you learn worked for you through the process?
2: I think we're still learning. Um, initially, when we set up our investment club, we identify, you know, the traditional structure, president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, um, and we rolled from there. Uh, afterward, you know, after we continue to build, you know, we're all sort of leaders in our homes, in our communities, in the work that we do when we start a new initiative for the co- organization. So that structure and those titles just didn't seem to be fitting. Uh, so we, you know, we, 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 we roll with co-founder, uh, now we do different things for the company and for the organization, uh, leaning on the skill sets that we've, you know, cultivated through our professional and, uh, entrepreneurial, um, you know, pursuits of the past. Um, and we just try to go with work, what works naturally. Um, but I mean, everybody has, I'm sure has a different spin on that cause we're still learning and growing to add, but like, like Jamin
3: mentioned that you know, we all have roles that we
2: all excel at
3: um, and we kind of naturally gravitate towards those roles or when those assignments come up, like, oh, who needs to do some social media type marketing? You know, you know Jamin will jump up and do that, right? Because um, he's sort of kind of championed that particular role. But for the most part, we kind of like to share the roles to make ourselves um, very, um, I guess like the jack-of-all-trades sort of type of a feel. So in the event that, hey, Jamin is not available to post on social media, Chris could pick it up or vice versa. So um, we're, we've just taken this opportunity to actually really sharpen our skills um, through this endeavor. Yeah, and build our toolbox, too. I mean, yeah,
1: Jamin's really good and savvy with social media, you know, and he's really well-connected and knows how to look at the data analytics and all that stuff that, you know, previously we didn't even know anything about like that. But everybody's looking at those things, and we figure out ways to kind of get those up, get followers up, and try to, you know, strategize and That's where, like, a lot of times Leonard comes in with the strategies and all that stuff. And Chris, you know, is his boots on the ground, especially in Atlanta, and builds up these street teams and stuff. And I used to do blogs all the time. But now we all kind of just rotate around, and we all do different things. So now we have, you know, even Gino, who unfortunately couldn't make it today, is blogging. You know, it's it's like that that was something that he wasn't really comfortable doing initially. But we're all doing different things, picking up these tasks so that, uh, you know, In any event that somebody isn't here, like Leonard said, then somebody else can pick it up, pick up the slack. And eventually, if we have a wide enough network and ambassadors and things like that, then we don't have to do all the work. We'll bring people into the fold. But, you know, we have to show that we're committed. We have to show that we're about the principles that we say we're about and that we're actually doing the work and putting it in. That's when you'll get people to follow you. That's when you'll build that uh, that that following, that loyal following. So that's what we're doing.
0: And with that, you all are in different places and spaces and different cities. Um, What are some of the benefits and challenges for you, um, that being the case?
2: I would say one of the biggest challenges for me was um, stepping outside of my comfort zone and being a salesman. Uh, It's not something that I kind of always shied away from. I never really wanted to do. I don't know why I got such a negative connotation about it early on. It's like, sales sales i don't want to sell to people i want people to love and support me because they value my work and what i'm doing and when i as i've gotten older i just realized well duh that that that's what sales is like people need to value if they value what your product or service that you provide you don't need to give it away for free you know there's value behind that and you need to take ownership of that and what it's what it's worth and you know and you need to communicate that and, and demand your and you know it's funny as we've gone through this business, we started, you know, we were even hesitant to sell a cup of coffee. You know, we're giving away for free now. You know, at the most recent events, have done so many pop-ups. It's like, you know, we, we, I, I, we're we not even getting our samples like that no more. It's like, you know, we know we got the best product out. And, you know, it's something that, you know, you should support. Because when you support us, you're not just supporting my family, my baby girl on the way, or my teenager, or Leonard's kids, or Brandon's daughter, or Knows life, you know, like, you know or Chris's endeavors, you know, you're supporting the community that we support, like Math for Success that we invested in early on, like Humanity for 360 that we're invested in. Um, um, And so these challenges, you know, we've turned them into blessings and lessons. Um, You know, so being in different spaces has been tough, but we've had to come out of our comfort zone, add to our toolbox and grow. The the
1: other thing I'd say is time zone. (laughs) Time zone is a challenge just because uh, East Coast, um, you know, we have both coasts, really. And so on the East Coast, you know, it's late for them when we're getting off of work. And uh, with families and things that they have going on, it's a little bit difficult to kind of schedule a call. And then a lot of us are, are talkers. So the call might last, you know, an hour and a half and two hours and things like that. So that's a little bit difficult. And then not being in the same space at the same time. Like we try to meet up uh, once or twice a year, whether it be at Xavier's homecoming or like even trying to do retreats. And uh, I'm actually looking into conferences and things like that that we can do just so that we can have that together time so that we can really brainstorm. And, you know, we might be on the phone, but somebody else might be driving or might be, you know, typing up something or whatever, putting it on mute. So it's, it's difficult. Um, mm-hmm. But we we have overcome some of those challenges a lot. And, uh, and that's why we're here now on the phone talking
4: to you. Right.
0: found a way. You found this way. You um, found you a way.
3: Yeah.
4: I so, think one of the strengths of okay. us... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> go ahead. I think one of the strengths is being, you know, uncomfortable with the time zone change. I think it really makes us step up and, you know, get into a gear out of, outside of our comfort zone um, I think one of the benefits though is being able to be in five different places at once. Because if Winter's in DC, I'm in DC. James in LA, I'm in LA. You know, I'm here in the A, my brother's here in the A. We can all move together. Black coffee is, you know, it's it's not just a, a single location. Like we have multiple locations. We could do a pop up in LA, Atlanta, Seattle, and DC in the same day at right. this point. So our, our customer base is growing exponentially because we work in our individual cities, you know, we've we've got people hitting us up in Atlanta about opening up a brick and mortar location, which is great, you know. However, you know, we got four other places that we can, you know, look into putting a business together. Not to mention, you know, New Orleans and places that we, you know, that are near and dear to our hearts. So being able to touch that many different customer bases and, and test out different branding and you know, merch and that kind of stuff, I think it's pretty dope. And a lot of the cities that we're in are really progressive for Blacks. And that, that helps out because it extends our reach and gets us to our core customer base and and everybody else. But, you know, from a community perspective, I think these cities represent us as a community almost as close as you could.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've talked about this or thought about it or if it's something that still takes more research but if you did open a brick and mortar where would it be right now so you have a vision for that yet
4: i i'm i think it's my personal goal to get a brick and mortar opened in atlanta first just because the city showed me a lot of love and you know i i think that atlanta is ready i think they under they get it you know and we start to look at the logistics and the you know the numbers and the social network and stuff. You know Atlanta's been very receptive to what we have going on, and I think it's the perfect place. But I mean, we're definitely open to keeping our options open. That's just my my personal challenge is to get the Atlanta uh, brick and mortar open first. But I'm I'm open to friendly competition to get this thing going.
0: Though. <laughs> New Orleans
2: or Houston too. Put them he on the just map. He dropped that exclusive on you though. He just dropped that exclusive heat.
0: Oh oh! Look, mm. I, I'm glad I could get it. You got mm. that.
1: You heard it here first,
0: right? <laughs> but Brandon, you're also in like coffee capital, right? Yeah, I am. I so am. how is has how that just impacted your view? Have you been able to take any more knowledge than you would have?
1: Well. I see a lot of, so I do see a lot of coffee shops here. And the thing is, anything can be a coffee shop. Like these little tiny huts that they have on every corner um, just about are coffee shops. And they're, I don't know how much money they're making and all that stuff. And they might be one single one. But if they can make, you know, five or $6,000 a month as their only job, I mean, as their little side hustle or whatever, then that's a win for them. And their operating costs have to be small. You know, so I look at that, like my wife always, always gets on me about when I walk into a place I look at, man, i wonder what kind of margin they have on this, on this, whatever they're charging, because everybody's here, everybody's buying it. They have to be able to get people in and out. And I look at businesses like that nowadays. So I'm doing the same thing with the coffee business here and wondering if it, if we could ever break into it. If, if us as a black coffee company and a coffee company in general, in a coffee capital, can break into it here, and I do see some opportunities, but it is within the community. It is at um, the, the hotel chains, um, like some of the smaller hotels, boutique hotels, and then it is at, like, the community meetings that they have, because this is a progressive city too, so there's a lot of rallies and a lot of meetings and a lot of this and a lot of that, that we can, and then the churches too, you know, the churches are very receptive and they serve, they serve coffee all the time inside of the church, you know, maybe at the end or whatever. Um, so I don't know if they do that everywhere, but I'm just talking about here because I've seen it, but like Mm -hmm. there's opportunities and it's in these small, like micro, micro areas. Um, and, and it's just opened my eyes to that, to those as possibilities.
0: With the, uh, recent passing of Nipsey Hussle, a lot of us have been, um, focused on continuing the marathon. And so what does that mean to you all?
2: I'm going to go, I'm going to quote the late great, uh, Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Hussle the Great, spoke of some things into the universe and they appeared. I say it's worth it. I won't say it's fair. Find your purpose or you waste in air. This is my purpose. You know, we've, we've, we want to impact the community. I want to make changes that some of my daughters and that their kids and the future generations can be proud of the work that we accomplished during our lifetime. The Black Coffee Company is a vehicle. Backpack Investments is a vehicle. You know, Jamin, Leonard, Chris, Gino, Brandon, we are, uh, you know, just, we're vessels, right? We we represent our households, our communities. We've seen, we've been through so much in life that, you know, we have to make a change. And Nipsey saw that too. You know, a lot of folks didn't understand it. They didn't get it. You know, the package didn't fit something that, they could connect with, but if you did, if you listened to him, that marathon, that was his spirit from day one, right? It's a lot, of a race, right? But he may, you may not finish the whole race, but you got to run your lap. So this is my lap. This is what we're doing. And the, the thing is, this
1: just started. This is only the beginning. Marathons are long, you know? Like, like the, the true distance of a marathon is long. Um, and so we just started just past the, the the start line and we have so much further to go. It is it's not gonna stop. This is black coffee is just one thing that we're gonna do. We're just going to roll things out over time. You know, we're going to change up the game. We're going to start founding other companies and stuff. You know, when we partner with people, we're going to be like, oh, that's a great idea. We have a little bit of capital saved up. Let's use these startup costs or let's use these uh, startup funds for your startup costs as opposed to going to this big bank or either let's direct you to this black bank because we have an awesome relationship with them. And now we have more people running this marathon. Pretty soon it's going to be called the Black Coffee Marathon. You know, no disrespect.
3: <laughs> <I> like that. <laughs> but, I mean, plain and simple, I think the marathon continues. means just don't stop. I mean, it's okay to slow down, take a little break, but just keep moving towards your goal and keep growing and keep learning. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've learned through this journey is that we're like, man, we, we thought we achieved it. Like, we graduated, got degrees. We get to stop learning. Like, no, we got to continue to learn and grow and just like for yourself you know you you branched into into um to podcasting that's something that you wasn't formally trained to do but then this allowed you to grow even further you know you didn't just stop once you got your degree and i mean we're really enjoying this journey and i mean the marathon is really you know we just started
4: i think for me Nip's biggest influence for me was finding your purpose, <clears throat> and I think that's what the marathon is—it's finding that that thing that checks off all your boxes and and makes you passionate about it. You know, one of the inspiring things about Nipsey for me was this guy is worth millions of dollars, but he's still out sweeping in front of his shop. You know, he's still taking out the trash. So I think as professionals, we talk to chase the bag, get the bag, get the bag, but. The bad comes with other stuff, you know? You may not even like your coworkers at work, or you may not be happy in the position that you're doing, or you don't feel challenged, you know? You're making all this money, but you now, you don't feel completed in your life. For me, black coffee checks those boxes off for of me, you know? I'll, I'll, I'll get down on the ground and sweep the floor for black coffee. You know, I'll sell merch out my trunk, you know? I, I keep my square reader in my backpack every day, just in case, but it's just, you know, not looking at the finances, not looking at any of that stuff. If it was something that I would do free, Black Coffee would be still something that I would be interested in because it, it allows me to be a influencer in my community. It allows me to, you know, speak to the youth. It, it allows me a platform to get other people involved and better in them li- their lives and the lives of their family members and friends. So, I mean, it's really inspiring. Marathon is definitely going to continue. And I think the worst thing we could do is, you know, Look at Nipsey and say, oh, see, so that's why you can't go back to your hood. Or that's why you can't get back to the community. See, you see what happens? No, nah, it's the opposite. You know, if we continue to create kings, it's not going to be as devastating when we lose one. And I think that's what the marathon is. It's about putting people in a position where we are kings so that if somebody passes away or something happens, you got the tools to do exactly what he did and better. And Queens. All oh, Kings and queens, definitely Kings and queens.
0: Oh, thank, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so within this year, you just had well, I guess you you had your year anniversary in February, right? Yes, yeah, right? okay. what um what do you have coming up for the rest of the year? Jamin. <laughs>
2: Well, our first event uh, on the calendar, right? It will be. We will. Well, there is a beer body boot camp uh, hosted by uh, the very talented and spiritual Claudine Cooper, A.K.A. Miss Wit Three on Instagram and social media. She is a fitness trainer, motivational speaker, actress, author. Uh, she'll be hosting a fitness camp along with Crown and Hops. That is run by as uh, a new uh brewery owned by uh, a black couple that's very uh very positive and a dope couple that are trying to bring something new to Inglewood. They did a very uh, uh successful crowd run, crowdfunding campaign, and they're doing um, so they're giving back to the community through this boot camp. Uh that'll be June 8th, 8 a.m. at Darby Park in Inglewood. We'll be participating, we'll be a vendor at that event. Yeah. Then this uh the next day, uh June 9th, we'll be at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Uh after that we'll be heading down south uh mr bolden
4: we're gonna be doing a pop-up event um uh, in june probably towards the end of the month and um, location and information on the event will be determined but definitely going to do a, a pop-up event in atlanta um uh, in june and we're also going to do a um a community outreach in jamaica in June as well, so we'll provide more information as soon as that date comes. But we're definitely doing some things here in Atlanta and internationally.
0: Yes. Okay, where can people find Black Coffee Company on all sites? Like, where should people go? Our website.
2: So, go yes. ahead,
3: Jamil.
2: You go ahead, Dr. Lightfoot.
3: So our website is TheBlackCoffeeCompany.com. Our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle is BLKCoffeeCo. So that's B-L-K-C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O. That is our Instagram, IG, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
0: We got a landline.
3: We got a landline.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, <laughs> is, is that your direct number? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in trouble placing no, that on there. You can
3: also, our, our Facebook community is it's a closed group, but please find us. It's just Black Coffee Community. Um, send the invite and let us know that you heard us on this podcast. We'll definitely accept you.
2: In terms of accept you, the guys that mentioned we're recruiting. Listen, this organization. It's been a true blessing but it's a lot of work uh, and it's a lot of, uh, of uh, work that needs to get accomplished we need a help assistance we're recruiting brand ambassadors we're recruiting bloggers we're recruiting uh, talent that wants to help us push this thing forward so if you have a talent a skill set or a passion to, to learn something new reach out to us on any of those channels uh, for ent- ent- for example we have our Pinterest account that you know gets a lot of attention but we really don't know much about Pinterest Uh, So we need somebody with that skill set. Then there's the YouTube channel. We got to get out that because uh, there's folks out here really, you know, jumping on the black coffee movement and we need need them to understand that there were some folks that came first. So we want to make sure that they get our content and our materials and our merchandise and our message out there in tandem with that. And lastly,
1: if you just want to talk, Or if you want to seek advice, it's not about what y'all can do for us. It's also about what we can give back. Like we've gone through and talked about this entire um, episode of the podcast. Um, You know, we have resources even now that we've been collecting for at least a year for the, you know, for the most part of a year. Um, And so we have those resources. We know how to get trademarks out there. There, There's a lot of things. So if you're listening to this and you need some help. If we don't have the answer, we can find the answer. We can get the answer and take a little bit of load off of you. So please reach out to us.
0: And let me know this. Is there an official push to get you guys on uh, Mark Lamont Hill's new show? Should we be doing that? Is there?
2: Well, now that you mention it, yes, there is. Okay. Uh, (laughs) We would like. You know, all of our supporters are your listeners, subscribers, friends, family, network. If you know Mark Lamont, he already got a DM from a Xavier Wright. Shout out to the network. The network is becoming active. I don't want folks to think that we, you know, because the Xavier network is strong. It just needed to have a direction and be activated. And it has become such. And it's coming through this entrepreneurship channel. We had a brother that named, I'm going to shout out Alan Rochelle in Chicago. His brother has launched numerous businesses. He's a trailblazer, and he just reached out to us, let us know he had a connection. Um, I'm not going to put it out there in the street what it is, but he's going to try to work to make that happen. A lot of folks want to support us, and we appreciate that. So if you can get out to Mark Lamont Hill or BET or somebody else in the industry that has that connect, let them know, yo, we out here.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Um, It's been such a great interview. Um, I am so happy to be a part of your network, to gain knowledge and inspiration from you and um just be your friends so thank you so much thank you for having us thanks for listening to episode nine of the in pursuit of podcast with the co-founders of the black coffee company i'm so happy to have an opportunity to share these young men's story and share their vision and mission and I consider myself a part of the Black Coffee family. And I hope you do and will after listening to this episode. Don't forget to head over to theblackcoffeecompany.com and use promo code PURSUIT for 15% off your purchase. This podcast is created and produced by myself, Elena Melton. The podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. Please follow the show's Instagram page at underscore in pursuit of. For questions, comments, show, or guest suggestions, please email IamInPursuitOf at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, follow, and share the page as well as the podcast, and please leave me a five-star review.